I'm here today and I get the privilege uh, and the opportunity to share the word of God with you. And so I just pray this morning that it, it touches your heart, that it pricks your heart, and that the word of God this morning sets out what it, what it was meant to accomplish to do and that it does not return unto him void. Amen. All right. So before I get started, I'm just going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to give you praise. I thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. You've woken us all up this morning and started us on our way. We are here clothed in our right mind, Lord, with the activity of our limbs because of you, who you are and what you've done, and we are so thankful. Father, right now, I know that you're already here, Lord, but I'm asking that the meditation of my heart and my thoughts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You are my strength, and you are also my redeemer, Lord. Let your word accomplish what it was meant to today. In Jesus' precious and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, if you have your physical Bibles, we're turning into Jonah chapter 1. If you have your electrical Bibles, electronic Bibles, we are also turning to Jonah chapter 1. And that's where we're going, where we're going to start this morning. Um, and because, we are, uh, because there, there's only so much amount of time that I have, I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Verse 1 says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, obviously, according to this scripture that we just read, the people of Nineveh were wicked. Chapter 1, verse 2, as we just read, it tells us that God wanted to announce his judgment against Nineveh because of how wicked they were. What may not be so obvious at first is that Nineveh was the capital of the capital of ancient Assyria. We see also in Genesis chapter 10 and verses 11 that Nimrod, Nimrod, if you guys remember him, he was the one who built the city of Nineveh. Nimrod, we, the Bible refers to him as he was a mighty, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Doesn't necessarily mean that he, he served the Lord, but it does describe that he was a, a mighty hunter. Uh, we know that Nimrod was also associated in leading, the, his name actually means to rebel, and he's associated with, with leading the rebellion against God um, uh, during the story of the Tower of Babel, where they tried to build a tower all the way up into heaven. Those are some things that are, that are associate, associated um, with the city of Nineveh. But the Assyrians were not wor known for worshiping the Lord our God. In fact, they worshipped a variety of false gods. They worshipped false idols and different gods. Uh, the goddess of fertility, the goddess of death, just different types of false idols and false gods that they worshipped. So they were not servants of the Lord. They were not God's children. They, were, they did not put him first. They didn't honor him and walk with him as we do. And as the children of Israel did, they were actually enemies of Israel. So it's not hard to imagine that Jonah was not fond of the people of Nineveh. So much so that it caused him to do the opposite of what God asked him to do. We see verse 2, God telling him to get up, go to the city, and announce my judgment against it. But in verse 3 we read, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. How do you get away from the Lord? That's an interesting thought process right there. He got up in the op and went the opposite direction to get away from God. He tried to run from God. He went down to the point of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish, and he brought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing. But God 
already had something prepared for Jonah. God wasn't surprised at what Jonah was going to do. In fact, God already knew what Jonah was going to do when he asked him. And it says, but the Lord hurled a a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Verse 5, fearing for their lives, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translations just in case you guys are wondering. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to the gods for help. They shouted to their gods for help, and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, all this while, while God is causing this storm, while he's stirring these waves and stirring the winds and, 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 and causing this boat to be placed in jeopardy, this whole entire time that the waters are all rough and the wind is blowing and everybody's freaking out, they're bowing down, hail Mary's praying to their gods, trying to call Jesus, somebody come save us, please help us. Jonah is sleeping. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in a hole. He was sleeping the entire time this was going on. So the captain went after him, verse 6. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Jonah, how can you sleep at a time like this? How, can, how do you sleep when you know that you know that you know you heard the audible voice of God tell you to do one thing and you are currently doing the opposite? How do you sleep? I mean, I know that Jonah still had basic human necessities, I guess. I mean, so when he, when he, when he got tired, he had, he had to sleep. He, I mean, I guess he, he was still a human. But I mean, how do you sleep after you've dismissed the heart of God? Because you don't think that it's the right thing to do. Is God wrong when he told Jonah to go to Nineveh, to preach the gospel to them, to cause them to repent? Was God wrong about that? Obviously, to Jonah, God was wrong. That was not the right thing to do. It was not what Jonah wanted to do. And he didn't even go do it. He tried to run away. If it wasn't for God causing that storm to just basically make that boat sit still, Jonah would have been all the way on the other side of town, not even worrying about what God told him to do. He probably would have been sleeping somewhere, somewhere else. And what's the deal with people sleeping on boats in life-threatening storms? You got Jonah sleeping on a boat? I mean, I'm glad that Jonah and Jesus had this heaven and hell thing figured out enough that they could just rest in the middle of life-threatening storms. But at the same time, if Jonah can sleep soundly in disobedience through a storm that technically he was the cause of, then it kind of gives me a little bit of reassurance that that I should be able to at least take a nap in obedience I should at least be able to rest in God. So my first takeaway is, remember to rest during the storm. And I'm just kidding about that. Even though God did rest during the storm, and it is okay for you guys to rest during the storm, that's not my first takeaway. But it is important that we do rest. We do take rest. If God is not moved by a storm, then we also shouldn't be moved by a storm. And if Jonah 
is not moved by a storm and he's not doing what God is telling him to do and you're in the will of God, take some time to rest. Chapter 2, as this story goes on, the Bible tells us that lots are cast. The sailors, they go on to cast lots. And Jonah is thrown over because the lots fall on him and he eventually tells them, yes, the reason why this storm is caused is because of me. I've been running from the Lord and the reason why all this is happening to you is because of me. So throw me overboard. And they throw Jonah overboard and God arranges for a great fish to swallow him up. And Jonah is in the belly of the fish for three days. And at some point after realizing that his situation was not getting any better, he came to his senses and he remembered the Lord. I'm just going to read a little bit of Jonah chapter 2 because there's there's some interesting things that he, he says in there. Verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered to me. I called you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Jonah was on the verge of dying in the fish before he came to his senses and remembered the Lord. Another verse says, as in verse 7, it says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went up in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods, gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer up sacrifices to you with songs of praises and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. So Jonah has this epiphany moment. He's like, okay, I'm on the verge of death. Let me go ahead and, 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 and pray to God. Let me go ahead and, and, and get my mind back right on track. Let me repent, so to speak. He, he changed his mind. And then the Lord instructs him again in chapter 3 to go do the very same thing. And this time, Jonah obeys. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message I have given you. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. When God saw, I'm I'm skipping down to verse 10, when God saw, this is, so Jonah preaches the gospel, Jonah, Jonah preaches the message of God to the people of Nineveh, and basically he says, in 40 days, the city is going to be destroyed if you guys don't repent. They begin to repent, they begin to take on the fa- they begin to fast. Even the king himself announces a fast throughout the entire land, and they all begin to repent. And in verse 10, we pick up and we see that when God saw that they had done what they had done, and that they had put a stop to their evil ways, the Bible says he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. Now, after these people repented, after they had come to their senses, you know, I think it's time to get right with the Lord. The Bible says he had mercy. And he said, you know what? I think I won't destroy you after all. But this, this change of plans in Jonah chapter 1, greatly, the Bible says, it greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. Verse 2, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew 
that you are a merciful and compassionate God. I knew that you are slow to get angry and that you are unfailing in love. I knew that you are eager to turn back from destroying people. Verse 3, he says, but just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I had predicted will not happen. Wow. Jonah is saying, I'd rather you had killed me than you uh, show mercy to the people of Nineveh. I'd rather the destruction for them had come to pass versus me being alive. I'd rather see them die, suffer, be punished by God than to see them accepted into the kingdom of heaven, than to see you bestow grace upon them. And this is the reason why I ran away. This is the reason why I tried to hide from you, why I tried to get away from you. Because right here, this, this is where we see, this is where we get to the heart of the problem. The great fish was enough to change Jonah's mind. He was, he was, three, he was in that fish for three days, three days and three nights, and it was enough to change his mind. But obviously, it was not enough to change Jonah's heart. Jonah had some anger, some, some, bitter, some bitterness, some, some things in here that was unsettled inside of his heart that caused him so much so against a group of people that caused him to say, you know what, I'm just going to completely dismiss what God said. Those group of people don't deserve the grace of God. They don't deserve the love of God. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you don't deserve the goodness of God or where you felt like there was somebody else who didn't deserve the goodness of God that didn't deserve the grace of God or maybe somebody thought you were not worthy no God surely God can't change his life around it's just a phase that person doesn't deserve God's grace that's the predicament that Jonah was in that's what he was facing. Him and God were on two different, they had two different thought processes. They had two different intentions. They had two different emotions. God wanted grace and mercy for the people of Nineveh. Jonah wanted judgment. He had a better way and he had a better plan. He didn't want to participate in something that he thought was absurd. And instead of rejoicing with the angels at the repentance of Nineveh, he preferred death. That is just so mind-boggling to me, that he got to see what God was doing. He got to see these people turn their life around. He got to witness these, God snatch these people back from destruction. And he still said, I'd rather had died. The Lord's response to him was, is it right for you to be angry about this? Is it right for you to be angry about me showing my love and my grace to a group of people, to another person? Is it right for you to be mad about me showing my love and my grace and my favor to your enemies, to the people who treat you wrong? Is it, is it, is it right for you to be angry about uh, uh, me reigning because he reigns on the just and the unjust 
me raining down blessings on, on the people on your job, your boss and your coworkers, your supervisor. Is it right for you to be angry about that? He didn't rejoice. He just preferred death. Wow. That's a scary place to be in. That's dangerous. Jonah initially refused God and attempted to flee. And while he was doing that, he was indirectly, indirectly he was telling God, these people aren't worthy of salvation. They are not worthy of mercy. They are not worthy of grace. He said, I knew this is what you were going to do, and this is the reason why I ran away. Another translation actually says that, that Jonah ran to delay. He tried to delay the plan of God. But Jonah soon find out, after all of that running, after all of the surfing and the swimming, and the near-death experience that he had in the, in, the, in the fish's belly, that he could not dictate change, and he also could not delay God's plan. And that salvation was the Lord's alone. It's so interesting, um, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, he says, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. He re- it, it, it's interesting, in verse 2, he remembers that that comes from God, that the only person who can give that, the only person who, who has the right to extend salvation, the free gift of salvation, is God. It's not something for another person to decide. Just like as Christians, we, are not, we, we cannot decide whether somebody gets to go to heaven or hell. We cannot decide whether somebody can be accepted into the kingdom of God or not. We cannot decide whether it is, it is acceptable for God to bestow favor on someone else rather than bestowing favor on us. Jonah finds out it will not change God's plan, and it will not change his mind. He had no authority, he had no sovereignty, and no right to decide for God who's worthy. Similarly, we see in Acts chapter 10, God explaining to Peter in a similar way about the Jews and the Gentiles. Because salvation was thought to only have been for the Jews only. And through a series of visions and God talking to Peter, God explains that I don't just want you to take the message of salvation to the Jews. I also want you to take the, uh, uh, the, sal- the message of salvation to the Gentiles. And thank God he did. Because if he had not, who knows if you and I would have heard the gospel today. Thank God that Peter did take the, the gospel to the Gentiles, even though traditionally it was, they, they didn't mix and mingle. It wasn't, it wasn't right for him to fellowship with foreigners and people outside of his country. So we can imagine that maybe Jonah is feeling a little bit similar when he's thinking about the people of Nineveh. But instead of letting go of his traditions, letting go of his feelings, his personal feelings about a subject matter, his personal feelings about a person, instead of letting go of those things and obeying God and being happy for the things that God is doing, Jonah tried to run, he tried to disobey, and he got upset. Sometimes we think that we have a better way. In our household, we have a better way than how God says to treat your husband or wife. On our jobs, we have a better way 
than that of our supervisor and boss. Sometimes we don't just have a better way than them. We think we are better. We don't esteem them higher. We esteem ourselves higher sometimes than other people. You ever looked, you ever looked at somebody in, in either a position and like, man, why are they in that position? <laughs> why are they in that, that spot? They don't deserve that. They don't know what they're talking about. They are not smart. They're not educated. They're not worthy. We're esteeming ourselves higher. We're not respecting that person. We're not highly. God didn't say whether or not an individual was saved or not saved that you had to esteem them higher or not higher. He says you should just esteem others, honor others, highly respect others higher than yourself. But sometimes, because we have a better way, we don't always go about doing that the way that God wants us to. Sometimes we have a better way than that which our pastors have advised us. Pastor said one thing, counseled me one way, and I don't like it. I'm going to go do something different. <laughs> well, good luck. God be with you. Not to say that, you know, whatever you do won't work. God is with you, but... But sometimes we just think that we have a better way, that we know what's best, that we have a better plan over what God is saying. We have a better way for everything. We are also the fourth Godhead member. It's not the Trinity, it's the Qua, because we make up the four. That's how we feel sometimes. Like we, we get to decide for God, we get to decide for others. That's not the case. God's way is the best way. God's way is the only way. And it is only for God to decide who's worthy. So I have some takeaways, some things that we can, can take with us, some things that we can take away from this story of Jonah. My first takeaway is, number one, support what God is doing. Jonah allowed his feelings to get the best of him. And, and we've all maybe have been in that moment before. Sometimes we've, we've, we've been overwhelmed. We've allowed our feelings sometimes to get the best of us. But it shouldn't be a normal for us. Jonah allowed this very important moment. He allowed his feelings to get in the way of it, so much so that he said, I'm not going to listen to this loving God. I don't even care that he's loving. I don't, even, I don't want you to love these people. He let his anger get in the way that he didn't even want love, he didn't want mercy for people. He just wanted destruction. It no longer brought him joy to see the goodness of God. Like it, when we see something good, I mean, we rejoice and we're like, oh my gosh, that's great. Somebody gives us a praise report. We're, we're, we're shouting with them. We're, we're rejoicing with them. Jonah's like, mm-mm, that's not it. That's not the end that I wanted to see. We all have a part to play in God's story. Jonah had a part to play in God's story. And he could have played it cheerfully. He could have played it willingly. He could have did his part the way that he was supposed to do it, but he did not. He decided to run and he decided to be angry. Let's not be like that way. Romans 12 and 6 talks to us about how God has given the church different gifts. It talks to us about how each of us has a role. 
And the reason why I, I wanted to bring this, this scripture to our attention is because it, it talks about that if your gift if, is prophesying, if what God has called you to do is prophesying, then the Bible says, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then encourage, then, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully and love for real. This, it tells us that if you are set apart to do something, there is a way to do it also. God has ordained and set us all to, to play a part in, in, in his plan. And whatever plan that is, not just as a corporate, as a whole, not just as the body of Christ, but also in our individual life, on our jobs, wherever we go, God has a plan and we have a part to play in that plan. We have to do it willingly. We have to do it cheerfully. We have to do it diligently. We have to do it in faith, not in anger. Takeaway number two, God is no respecter of persons. He decides who's worthy. Rich, poor, wise, foolish, weak, strong. God decides who's worthy. We would not have been chosen based on the world's standard, the standards. The children of Israel wouldn't have been chosen based on the world's standard. In fact, they weren't chosen because they were the, the best, the Bible says. They weren't chosen because they, chosen because they were the greatest of people. They were the weakest. They were the least. And on top of that, they were hard-headed, stiff-necked, and disobedient. And God still chose them. So it goes to say that only God can decide. The same God who, who uses the foolish things to confound the wise is the same God who decides who's worthy. We don't get that authority. We can't judge people like that. So even when we're interacting with people, when we see people, when we're communicating with people, we have to be careful with how we think about them, how we judge them, because only God decides who's worthy. Only God bestows. And he's no respecter of person. He doesn't care about your background. He doesn't care about your, where you came from. He doesn't care if you, you were Catholic before and now you're not. He doesn't care if you were Hindi before and now you're not. He has no, he's no respecter of persons. Acts chapter 10, verse 35 through 36 says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation all around the world, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God is no respecter of persons, but anybody who does what is right in his eyes, anybody who serves him, he will accept that person. What did the people of Nineveh do? They turned around. They changed their wicked ways. And what did God do? He accepted them. <clears throat> the person that we don't care for, the person uh, that we sometimes may not think can get right, that person is acceptable to God as long as they fear him 
and do what's right in his eyes. If that person that, that we have some quarrels about it within us t- changes their life around and serves God and gives their life over to Christ, do you know he will accept them right then and there? What will you do then? Will you still be upset? Will you still be angry that God has saved your enemy? God has saved that gossiper? The person you just walked into the room, you just heard them talking about you? God saved them? Are you still going to be upset about it? Is it right for you to be angry about this? It's not. Anytime God asks a question, you know, I get nervous because I'm like, you already know the answer to your question. (laughs) It's probably rhetorical. (laughs) But Nineveh had more than uh, 120,000 people who did not know, the Bible says, they're left from their right, who were living in spiritual darkness. The Lord said, should I not feel sorry for such a great city? Do you know how many people, God says, they don't even know they're left from right. They're living in spiritual wickedness. Should I not have mercy? Should I not show mercy? Should I not feel sorry for that people? It's the same thing as God feeling sorry for Jonah. At some point, God felt sorry for Jonah and called him too. But sometimes we forget about that, that we were that person. We forget that we were that sinner, that we are now judging. We were them at some point, and God called us into his marvelous light. He called us out of that darkness. He saw us, the Bible says, while we were polluted in our blood, and he commanded us to live. Jonah must have forgot about that. Number three. Takeaway number three, get up and pray to your God. When I think about this story and I see how Jonah responded at the end once, and, and actually if you read the story of Jonah and you read the whole book, you, you see that it, it kind of just ends there. You know, It ends with, with the Lord uh, causing a, a plant to grow and to give God shade, and then the next morning God causes a worm to eat. To, to smite the plant, and it dies, and then he causes a heat to brushes over Jonah, and Jonah gets real hot, so angry, he's angry again to the point of death, he wants to die again, seems like a pattern now, so <clears throat> Jonah, Jonah wants to get upset, I came to the conclusion that his heart was the issue, he needed a heart change, so another reason why I, I picked this takeaway because it says it earlier on in the story, instead of Jonah sleeping in the boat, he should have been praying to God. He should have been repenting. He should have been going to God. He, maybe he needed to spend three more days in the fish so that he could get his heart together. If you find that you are in a place like Jonah or a similar place, and you find that you are in need of a heart change. You need God to to work on you just a little bit. You need God to help you to be happy for people just a little bit more. Get up and pray to your God. I encourage you, wake up, wash your face, fast, and seek the Lord. If you have something going on in your heart, God can fix it. He can change it, and he can deal with it. But don't think for one second 
that what we have in our heart, our emotions, our ways, our way of thinking better will stop God's plan. It won't stop it. It won't dictate it. It won't change it. And it will not delay it. He's still going to accomplish his will. Whether you have to, to spend some time just staying still by God making you just stay still, just right there. Or whether you willingly come to the, to the conclusion. And last but not least, um, it is not for us to decide who salvation, mercy, and grace is for. Mercy triumphs over judgment, and that is God's decision. Amen.